Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Go Lasso. This is our Wednesday preview, and I'm here with Jimmy Conrad, and we're going to talk the Premier League, Copa del Rey, Copa Italia, and so much more. Stay right here. Que Go Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Go Lasso on this Tuesday, our Wednesday preview. And my goodness, it's been so long since I've seen and heard Jimmy. Jimmy, just me and Jimmy today. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, man? What a special treat for the listeners and watchers of this great podcast. Yes, I'm very excited to be here, Luis. I feel like so much has happened since the last time I saw you. Frank Lampard apparently got fired. Wait, wait, what is happening? It's all kicking off. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the big games as well. Uh, there's so much to get into, so I'm excited. Super excited, and as you mentioned, uh, so much has gone on. And actually, we're going to begin with the latest news. We obviously have some previews for you, including Premier League, Copa del Rey, Copa Italia for Wednesday. But let's begin with the latest news, as you mentioned. Frank Lampard out, Jimmy. Thomas Tuchel in as he comes in, obviously, per our sources, specifically from the great Fabrizio Romano. But Frank Lampard is out. What, what do you make of it? My first impression, my first thought was probably my first thought when he initially got hired, and that is he got the job too soon. He just didn't have enough experience, Luis, to, I think, manage what was in front of him with regard to the club itself. And I think he was a great stopgap for the one season where they had the transfer ban. They couldn't bring anybody in. You know, that felt like a team that he could get behind and maybe manage. But then all of a sudden when they spend 200 million and they get all these top players in, and even though, as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, they're probably not the best fits. And some of them were probably luxury buys. He is probably not the right guy for the job. And that's unfortunate. He's going to learn from this. He's going to be stronger because of it. We've seen Chelsea rehire people in the past, uh, Jose Mourinho. So th th he could come back at some point. It seems like they ended on amicable terms. And now we'll just wait and see. Thomas Tuchel comes in, and as Heath Pierce has said, uh, he looks like Mr. Burns or whatever from The Simpsons, which is great. You know, how do you, how do you really take that guy serious? I will say, though, his experience of being at PSG in particular and managing big egos and getting them to a Champions League final last year and obviously being able to speak German. Everything, you know, everything's trending to German, right? Can we just talk about that, Luis? Everything's trending German. Jurgen Klopp wins Liverpool, their first league title in 30 years. Bayern Munich just won the treble. All the top young players in the world go to the Bundesliga to get their development, right? With Jaden Sancho, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney. I mean, all these examples, right? Germany's where it's at. So Thomas Tuchel feels like the hot guy right now, but I think he ticks a lot of boxes and I think they will improve because he's just got that experience that maybe Lampard lacked. Yeah, you're so right. It's like, you know, like everybody was a hipster with the choices of Bundesliga teams. Everybody's like 10 years late on that, I guess. I don't know. Everybody, <laughs> Everybody's like now deciding to move to Williamsburg. I think that's like the, the move right now. You're so right. right, but, right. 
But I think you're right about Tuchel. Uh, takes a lot of boxes. I think it's all about stability uh, for Chelsea, uh, at least from a fan perspective, but also the relationships, right? You know, Thomas Tuchel was the one, you know, that also has a relationship with Christian Pulisic from Borussia Dortmund. He also knows Thiago Silva from PSG days. He's the one that can helpful, help, hopefully help uh, Werner and Kai Havertz. So there are a lot of like, you know, factors that come in with this decision. I will say this though about Frank Lampard specifically. I agree a hundred percent. He just wasn't ready. And I actually saw that when he managed Derby, you know, in the championship, even though he took him to the playoff final and lost to Aston Villa in that final. Like I just saw a few things that overwhelmed him in the championship. And then when you throw him in in the Premier League with a huge, huge job to get Chelsea, not just the top four, but also contend for so many more things. And then suddenly you have this tremendously rich squad. I think it was just a little bit too much for him. And the last thing that I'll say is, look, when you look at the numbers of um, United managers since 1986, there were five, including Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Arsenal managers since 1986, five. Chelsea managers since 1986, 23 with Tuchel <laughs> coming in. I mean, that's saying something, right? Oh, 100%. And I think Abramovich has always had an itchy trigger finger when things aren't going well. And I think he's hired people underneath him that feel the same way. I do feel like Frank Lampard was the right manager for the transfer ban. I really think it was a nice place for him to get exposed to the club in a different way, not being the worship player, but also, uh, or excuse me, now being the 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 guy that's under the gun a little bit is the manager. And yeah, we love your history. Thank you for everything you did for us as a player, Frank, but you still have to get us results. And I saw that Pep Guardiola said, managers still have to win. You can have a project, but you still have to win. And you still have to show, and I think to Pep Guardiola's point, maybe even to take it a step further, you have to show an identity. And I think that's what this team lacked more than ever. And I think it's just because he had too many players to choose from. And, and who, who do I go with? And who's the hot hand? When he had the transfer ban, it was clear who his best 11 was for the most part. He was, I don't know, I would say a little obstinate in some ways of not starting Christian Pulisic until it became undeniable that he had to get that guy on the field. But, but now of these plethora of options, it just became like, ah, oh, what, what do I do? And how do we want to play? And it just, I just think he couldn't get out of his own way. And he's going to learn from this experience. I think he'll be better because of it. I just wonder where he's going to go next. He'll have offers, of course, but, but at what level and where, you know? So a lot of interesting questions for Frank Lamp. Lampard moving forward. I would honestly just sit back and wait. I would do the Mauricio Pochettino and just wait for a, a better job to potentially pop up. Don't be in a rush to get back in just to prove yourself, but we'll see what he ends up doing. I think Chelsea will ultimately be better uh, for it as well. And I know we got a preview of them, but I know we have more top stories to talk about first. Yeah. So let's move on from Chelsea to whole uh, Frank Lampard. And let's talk about some transfer new here. First of all, Papu Gomez to Sevilla. I, I, Jimmy, I love this. I love this so much. First of all, this is Monchi magic. Just completely <laughs> work. Monchi yeah. is like, if, you've, if you're a listener and you've never heard of that name, you need to know that he is one of the most important names in European football, just straight up. Uh, he is the reason why, uh, you know, players like Sergio Ramos, et cetera, like have just developed into who they are. And he's such a dealer when it comes to uh, identifying talent and, and nurturing youth academies. Um, I actually interviewed him last year. So that's amazing. But what do you think about Papu Gomez to Sevilla? Because we've talked about Benega, about being cute as a little button. I know he now, is. <laughs> now we have Papu Gomez coming in. I think it's a great move. Uh, Manchi is a genius when it comes to identifying talent, identifying deals, I think is what you're also 
trying to say as well you probably already said it i was i was lost of, of just thinking about how dreamy papu gomez is he's so cute as a button a little argentine playmaker who's now going to replace another argentine playmaker who they lost in ever Benega. i think just because of that because they have had a system julian lopetegui won the europa league got in fourth last season with ever Benega, who plays very similarly to to papu gomez I don't think the team's going to miss a beat. And in fact, they're going to get better. They're going to have more options. Rakitic has been very good, very solid. Jordan has really taken a, a step forward without Benega kind of in front of him. Uh, you got Suso. It depends on where you want to put Papa Gomez. Maybe he'll start in for Suso. Uh, Ocampos, obviously very, very good. Suso's been a little bit hurt, but now he's back to full health. And Inesri has been a revelation this season. I know we'll get a little bit into their preview against Valencia for the Copa del Rey. But with regard to this signing in particular, Papa Gomez is a Big time player, 59 goals, 71 assists in 252 games for Atalanta. He was really the guy driving things. He was on the Champions League team of the season last season. So Sevilla are really adding a, a really important piece. And I think that's going to help them flow and continue to develop that rhythm that they've already established. And Sevilla are already good. So you need to add somebody like this for only eight and a half million euros. I know he's 32, but still that feels like a steal. This is, this is great business by Sevilla. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move to the Premier League with Martin Odegaard moving to Arsenal on loan. Apparently, Mikel Arteta was the final, uh, you know, piece for him too because uh, Real Sociedad were also interested in bringing him back. But Odegaard, 22, by the way, 22 years old still. I mean, we've talked about him for a long time, obviously making his debut at 15 or 16, you know, just like completely electrifying everybody, not working out with Real Madrid, going to Arsenal. What do you make of that one? I think it's good for Martin Odegaard. I think it's good for Arsenal. I just don't know what Real Madrid is doing, Luis. I really just don't know. They have all these talented players. They go out on loan, they bring them back, and then they put the handcuffs on them. I, 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 why bring them back then? If you wanted to continue to develop, maybe you don't want La Real, Real Sociedad to, to, to use them. He had seven goals and nine assists for La Real last season. He was really growing. And the season before that, let's get into it. He was at the Eredivisie with Vitesse. He created more chances in that league than any other player in all of Holland's top division, okay? And he was third in assists behind Dusan Tadic and Hakim Zayek for Ajax. Ajax just scored goals for fun. So just imagine if Vitesse, if he was surrounded by better attacking players, he would have been leading the assists for sure. So two seasons ago, you have him dominating the Eredivisie. Great, okay? Then he goes to back to Real Madrid. They loan him to Real Sociedad. Seven goals and nine assists. You think he's going to take that next step? He goes back, plays nine games in all competitions. Not all of them starts. He's got the handcuffs on. They don't really play the stuff. It's just, it's really sad that they can't find a place for this guy in the team. And I get it. They have some talented players. And, and Tony Cruz and Luka Modric and Casemiro, it's going to be hard to break into that team. And if you're not willing to do the workout on the wings, and I don't know if Odegaard is, I'm sure he would be. But if he doesn't really fit in the same way, when I feel like they're so used to having pacey wingers Real Madrid, then yeah, you got to move them along. So let's talk about Arsenal. They're inheriting a very good playmaker, a guy that's already got a proven track record, can hold his own against some of the best in the world. That's already been proven. And now he's going to come into a new league. Now it's just a matter of how quickly he adapts. Is he going to be surrounded by guys that are going to play? I think that they're going to try. Now it's just a matter of can he establish that flow and rhythm quickly? I think it's a great pickup by, by Arsenal. They really got nothing to lose. It's a loan until the end of the season. And then from there, we'll see what happens. But but I like it. It kind of reminds me of the players that Arsenal kind of had in the past that they don't really have anymore. Uh, maybe since Santi Cotorla left and obviously Mezit, the whole Mezit situation, I guess would be more of a like for like, but, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm hopeful for Arsenal fans, but this is always what happens with Arsenal fans. Luis, they get all this false hope and then, you know, their hearts are broken like every season. 
Yeah, don't even get me started on that. I, uh, I totally agree. I also think it's also Arteta sort of mirroring uh, his former head coach in Pep Guardiola, where like he's just overloading the talent in midfield and sort of like creating all these uh, triangular sort of symbols all over the field. And then, you know, not really focusing because I really think like Arsenal actually need another backup striker maybe without Aubameyang not doing so well and like I said but it looks like he's the, you know like one man city does right where you know okay no Sergio Aguero for a while Gabriel Jesus on the bench all right let's put Ferran Torres like up front you know what I mean like he's just overloading the midfield but it's great to see to your point to your original first thought which is it's great for Martin Odegaard I think to to see him as well in the Premier League and with Arsenal so we'll see what happens there um and it'll be interesting hey listen last one for you Brian Reynolds uh, to Roma, I think, uh, you know, they're going to take that one. But Juventus won Weston McKinney on a permanent deal. It's looking good for the Americans, uh, especially in Serie A. Heath and I were talking about it on Sunday, how, to me, Weston McKinney, best American male player right now, right? You think? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think his consistency has been good. I think he's actually been weathering the maybe adversity, we could call it even though it doesn't seem like it's adversity starts, doesn't start his attitudes, the same comes on the field, makes a difference, right? His energy is fantastic. And I really feel like he has grown tremendously in the last eight or nine months. We can see it. It's like, we can see this. He went from a little baby. We're hoping for the best. And now he's a grown ass man, Luis, you know what I mean? And, (laughs) and it's nice to see him kind of handling this and, and holding his own with teammates that are considered some of the best players in the world and handling the pressure that comes that from playing with Juve, especially with the new manager and Andrea Pirlo. So, yeah, Weston McKinney for sure, I think, is the out-and-out best player for the U.S. at the current moment. And for Brian Reynolds, I think Roma might be a better spot for him. Juan Cuadrado has really emerged as a proper outside back, especially in that Juve system, really getting forward and, and, and doing everything necessary on both sides of the ball. I think he'll be there for a while, and I think that would limit uh, his chances. I think he could probably break into the Roma team a little bit quicker. Now, Roma, I don't know if you heard this, but Edin Dzeko apparently had a falling out with Fonseca. The, I mean, what, what are we even doing, right? I mean... Just because Gasparini has a falling out with Papu Gomez and the Atalanta can still fire on all cylinders doesn't mean Roma can do it without Jekko. So uh, I'm kind of curious about Roma in general. Everybody's falling out with the manager, right? So so I'm curious about that situation, but that doesn't really impact uh, Brian Reynolds so much. And and I'm excited for him to get this opportunity and, and to play for one of my favorite clubs. Yeah, it's going to be really good. It's definitely uh, on the up once again uh, for USMNT. All right. When we come back, our Wednesday preview, a lot of matches, uh, including the Premier League, Copa Rey, Copa Italia, and much more. Stay right here because Kego Lasso will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Kate Goat Lasso here with Jimmy Conrad to preview Wednesday's action. A lot of games. Jimmy's like, every day there's action. I love it. Uh, it's awesome, right? Yeah, I kind of wish my marriage and love life was the same. Looking at you, sweetie. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. I have a beautiful wife. She's great. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Uh, we'll just edit, right? <laughs> Definitely on Valentine's Day as well. All right, let's keep going for Wednesday preview. Let's begin in the Premier League, everybody, uh, as the games come thick and fast. And let's begin at the top of the table. Manchester United against Sheffield United. Uh, Jimmy, what do you have for us? Well, I have Manchester United winning this one. I'm going to start there. Chris Wilder, who's the manager for Sheffield United, They've just collected five points from a possible 57 in the league this season, and they are actually on course to uh, go down with the lowest points tally in Premier League history. So that's not looking so great for them. And you got Manchester United on the other side are coming off a big win, beating Liverpool to knock them out of the cup. Uh, they're undefeated in their last 13 league matches. They have some serious depth. You know, I really feel like they found a nice rotation and Ole Gunnar starting to trust guys in a more meaningful way. I think their identity continues to keep being forged in some capacity, even though I think sometimes we're hard pressed to exactly pinpoint what that identity is. Uh, some stats for you guys, Sheffield United have been losing at both halftime and full time in five of their last six away matches. Uh, United have scored at least three goals in the last three matches against Sheffield United. Uh, United have kept a clean sheet in their last three home matches against Sheffield. It's all pointing to Manchester United is what I'm trying to get to. I like, because I don't know the lineups that are going to start, right? Because they have a big game on the weekend against Arsenal. United travel to the Emirates to, to get that contest going. And they got to get some revenge because Arsenal beat them earlier 1-0 at Old Trafford this season. I like Man United to win 1-0 or 2-0, 2-1 or 3-1. You got four of those score lines. And Bruno Fernandez to score. And I say Bruno Fernandez because he's playing against the worst team in the Premier League. I made him my triple captain on fantasy. So I'm, I'm, I'm like quadrupling down on Bruno Fernandez to do something in this one. So if he scores in any of those four score lines with Man United to win, plus 400, that's what I'm feeling. Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez didn't start against Liverpool. I think he'll get the run out here just to make sure they get the full three points because they need it. It's obviously very important in the league. And I think he'll still have enough in the tank to take on Arsenal this weekend. That's what I'm thinking. What do you think of Luis? No, I'm with you 100%. And I'm with you 100% in fantasy. I need Bruno Fernandes to go off because I think I'm going to make him captain. And and uh, and to your point about him not starting against Liverpool, although obviously scoring that winner with that great free kick. Uh, but yeah, I think he's ready to go. And when you face a Sheffield United side that um, obviously... Uh, yeah, they're going to sit They're gonna sit 11 guys behind the ball. So you yeah. need your most talented string pullers out there. Yeah, and then I'm reading that Marcus Rashford will be available. Uh, you know, there was a little worry of him after getting a knock in the cup, but I think he's looking good. And for Sheffield United's side, they're sweating over uh, Lise Mousset. Uh, I don't know. There's there is, Everything is pointing to United's side. And they're at home, right, as well? Yes. Yeah, it's at Old Trafford. Sheffield, just not good in any stretch. I have those lower score lines of 1-0, 2-0, because I can see – Sheffield just going, we got nothing to lose, but let's just give ourselves a chance until the very end, right? Let's do the West Brom, Sam Allardyce approach where we just try to nick a goal there on a set piece or a long throw or whatever we have and just try to be as brave and, and courageous defensively as we can and just try to frustrate United. The longer we keep them frustrated, the more we might have a chance going the other way. That's kind of how I see Chris Wilder approaching this as a manager. Otherwise, you got one team that's incredibly red hot and then one that's incredibly not. So that's kind of how I see it. 
Yeah, this is the top against the bottom. And these are the games that Olegana Socha has to win if he 100%. wants to uh, win the title. So absolutely. All right. Uh, there's other games as well. Everton against Leicester City. This is an intriguing one. Leicester City in third place with 38 points. Same points as Man City. Uh, but obviously I'm talking, uh, but as you listen, you know, this is not including Tuesday's matches against Everton, who are looking to, uh, you know, come back to a top four spot. They're only two points behind Liverpool, who don't play until later in the week against Tottenham, who is also in fifth. Pretty good game here. Everton, Leicester City. What yeah, this this is a great game. I feel like injury concerns really drive me here. We'll start with Everton. They got Alan and Ducore. Some of their summer signings uh, both hurt. They both play in the you know spine of the team, central midfield. Obviously, we could argue the most important part of the field. But Leicester have Jamie Vardy. That's probably going to be out. He's got 11 goals and five assists. So he's clearly pulling the strings for them. Not a big surprise. But I guess the surprise is he actually gets better with age. He's almost like the Cristiano Ronaldo of, of Leicester in some ways. He continues to bang in the goals. What I'll say is, though, without him in the team, Iosi Perez started in the cup against Brentford away from home. I thought he was very good, actually. If he can hold up the ball, it allows him to transition in a meaningful way. Ilianacho, I thought, maybe was going to get the start. So you, you have Iosi Perez and Ilianacho, uh, you know, competing for this potentially. Thing. The biggest thing, though, is they need to just hold up the ball because that allows Madison to join in, Tielemans to join in, uh, other players to join into the fray and get involved and, and allow their outside backs to, to get into the attack as well if they can do that consistently. Brentford away from home too was a very impressive result, three to one. Prior to that, Leicester beat Southampton 2-0, beat Chelsea 2-0. We got to give Brendan Rodgers, I think a little bit more credit. They've dealt with some injuries as well. And yet they're still firing on all cylinders. I think this is a big opportunity for them. I kind of feel the draw, honestly, Luis. Uh, Everton, uh, finally, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin just scored in the cup as well. He hadn't scored in six games prior to that. I feel like he might be the hot hand. You want him to score anytime, that's plus 120. I like Madison to join the attack. He's been a hot hand to score anytime, plus 200. I just, I feel like a 1-1 might be there. That's plus 220. You can get good value on William Hill, by the way. Straight up win for Everton, plus 180. The draw is plus 220, plus 160 for Leicester to win. You, you, you got some good value if you just want to do straight up. I just feel like... When I look at the, so this is what, uh, Leicester have the uh, second best away record in the Premier League, only behind Manchester United who are undefeated. They got seven wins, one draw, and one loss. Everton at home, four wins, one draw, three losses. Not as stout as you'd like to see at Goodison Park. I think that Leicester are going to do this. I think I'm going to uh, take a reach here. I usually try to play it safe. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a reach here. I say that Leicester wins, both teams to score. And uh, that's plus 375. That's where I'm leaning. But I could see a 1-1 draw. Can I put that caveat in there, Luis? <laughs> you could put it as your second guess, I guess. I don't know. I, I agree. Into, I think this is going to be one of these games where very few chances are going to be available. I feel like both are going to be very focused at the back. I know. Like, that's one thing I, in the draw. But keep going. Keep going. No. I would go for the draw, but I just think Leicester City is on a mission right now, with or without Jamie Vardy. Harvey Varnes as well could be, you know, Harry, yeah, yeah. he could be a pivotal point here. Their, you know, their defensive unit is so good. You know, DCL did score in the cup, but I think he might struggle here against a very, very, and to your point about Leicester City doing so well away from home as well. I don't know. It could be 1-0 and then Leicester City sneaking it in the very end. I'm going with 2-1 here. I'm good with you. I, I agree with you on that. I think that's I think that's the play. I think that Leicester just have something about them this season. I don't know if it's the the same vibe as the special season when they won the league, but they 
I feel like they're going to get into the top four. As much as we want to say the other teams, I, I feel like Leicester's going to get into the top four this season. Yeah, and, you know, Brendan Rodgers really deserves it. This side has really been working very, very hard. Um, all right, final game. I mean, there's plenty more matches, but, what you know, plenty of matches across Europe. So let's just finish one off here with Chelsea against Wolves. They're at home, two Wolves who are not doing too well as of late. And I think they have entered the conversation of, you know, relegation fodder. You never know here. Uh, they've really struggled because of no Raul Jimenez. How do you see this one? Chelsea at homes to Nuno's Wolves. Well, I'm going to say, if we just look at the stats, Wolves are winless in their last six. They've lost six out of the last seven at Stamford Bridge. Both teams need to win this one. I'll look at Chelsea in particular. They're in ninth, but five points away from the top four. They have to keep pace with them. And as a player, former player that's lived through these experiences, when you lose one coach and another one comes in, even if it's just an interim and you know that there's some names being bandied about, but you don't know for sure who it's going to be, even though it looks pretty clear it's going to be Thomas Tuchel. There is some type of refreshment in your attitude and your enthusiasm and your excitement. Like, all right, finally, we're going to get out of this rut. You know, everybody's been complaining about Lampard. Everybody's complaining about this former coach. Now he's out of the way. Now the players just have to kind of shut up and play. And, and I think that they are starting from scratch in some capacity, right? If you get back in the team, you're not trying to impress Lampard anymore. You're trying to impress Thomas Tuchel, right? And so I think they're going to be up for this. I really like actually Chelsea to win the first half at plus 125 on William Hill. I really like that. I think they're going to try to set the tone and, and really put some pressure on Wolves right from the get-go. I don't think they want to let this get to 0-0 at halftime and give Wolves maybe that, that sense of belief that maybe they can do something. I also like Chelsea to keep a clean sheet, plus 120. I think it's time to impress the new boss on both sides of the ball. I really think there's going to be a nice, complete performance and, and reaction to this Frank Lampard news from the, from the team. No disrespect to, to Wolves. Without Raul Jimenez, with his unfortunate injury that I can't even watch again because it's really hard, um, they just haven't been the same. They don't have that, that, that player up top that can hold the ball in a meaningful way. They just got William Jose from Real Sociedad on loan. He's got 49 goals in the last four seasons. Yeah, that's a really Real good Sociedad. one, actually. He's really good in coming. Very, very good. Uh, that's, a, that's a good piece of business, and I, and I really like that. Plus, he's Brazilian, so he speaks Portuguese, which is a good thing if you play for Wolves. It just helps to speak the native tongue of <laughs> that club. That's all they speak over there. That's all they speak. But I think another big loss, and one that I'm considering when I'm giving you guys these lines to think about, is that their number 10, Daniel Podence, he is out due to injury. And yes, three goals, two assists, maybe doesn't look too sexy as a stat machine, but he really established the flow and rhythm of the team up top and really sprayed it around in a meaningful way. So without Jimenez, without Podence, I just feel like Wolves aren't the same. And I think they become a little bit more one-dimensional. And I think Chelsea should be able to handle that. Thiago Silva, Chilwell should be coming back into the team. And again, I just think that new manager bounce, Luis, is going to you know, prove to be the, the biggest difference. That, to me, was going to be the point. What's going to happen right now with Chelsea? Lampard's gone. You know, all the you know, conversations around what's going to happen with this side. And, of course, they're just going to have that bump. Once your manager is gone, you, I feel that th there's going to be an energized, uh, at least for this game, you know, certain players are going to be like, listen, don't forget about me. Uh, you know, we want to perform, especially against the side, as you mentioned, a side that's not doing too well as of late. So I definitely see a Chelsea win here. Maybe even something like 3 nothing, 3-1 perhaps. Who, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of firepower. Who, uh, Timo Werner hat trick, Jimmy. That's what's going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> we'll see if Thomas Tuchel is the German whisperer, you know, for these players. But I do think that uh, Werner and Havertz will both start to succeed in a different way with uh, a coach that they can speak the same language with. I, I do think that makes a big difference. 
Yeah. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, let's go to Italy, Jimmy Conrad. Let's Coppa Italia. Uh, we got some uh, two good games here. Yeah, I'll start with Juve versus Spall. Unfortunately, there's no line on William Hill for this. So I got no 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 betting odds for you guys. It's the quarterfinals of the Coppa Italia. Spall, who were in Serie A last season, got relegated. They're looking to get uh, promoted again. They're having a pretty good season in Serie B, but still have some work to do, of course. What I like about Juve right now is after beating Napoli in the Super Cup to win their first trophy of the season, their first trophy on under Andrea Pirlo, it seems that they've relaxed a little bit. You know, I feel like they've got some confidence. They're now off of back, back-to-back 2-0 wins, uh, doing it on both sides of the ball. And I think that's what we like to call momentum, right? So I think they've got some momentum going into this one. I don't know if all their top players are going to start, but obviously it's Juve. They have some depth. And it'll be interesting to see. I think Weston McKinney will get the start in this one. I'll be watching him in particular. But um, I, I think my biggest question, and I'm curious what you think about this, Luis, with regard to this game, is what does Andrea Pirlo do? I think this is like a real test as a manager. You need to rest, guys, right? Cristiano Ronaldo probably needs to rest, but you also want to go out there and make sure you book your ticket to the next round in the cup. So this is his biggest challenge, I think, for any manager, but especially a new one when you balance, you know, egos and a big club and all the expectations, who you rest and win is I think the biggest question to ask of some of these managers, the young ones in particular. And so I don't know, I don't really know what lineup's going to be rolled out, but if you can figure that out, that's really going to lend itself to a lot of success. So I don't know. What do you think, Luis? No, I agree. You know, you, you have this deep squad, you have a, you know, I guess there's been injured. Obviously there's been injuries, COVID impact, whatever, but you, you're, you're playing a weaker team. You're at home. Right. You have to think about what's coming up. You have to take care of, you know, certain players. This is a, a, a game where, you know, you just have to rely on, I guess, your, you know, your second stringers or, or players that can still deliver for you. It may not be spectacular, but this is a, and also actually, I think this is a great opportunity to see, you know, the Pirlo philosophy, you know, regardless of who is there for you against a weaker opposition, they should be, uh, you know, a win for you in this quarterfinal. Yeah, 100%. Um, they should find themselves in the semis. Spall, thank you for coming. I'll, I'll say 2-0 here. I'll keep that 2-0 train, hype train going. I, I think Juve have started to settle in a little bit. They got Delict coming back in. I think he'll get the start. He hasn't really played recently. Uh, they'll give a rest to Benucci and Chiellini, who probably need the rest. they uh, got a lot of mileage on those legs. So there's a couple of players they can bring back in, and uh, they shouldn't have any trouble with Spall. However, if Spall get that first goal or really try to put the pressure, maybe that changes, right? You start to put the pressure on it, but I, I just don't see it. I think Juve's in a, in a good piece of form, which is which is apt because, and I'm going to say this about Atalanta as well, they're peaking at the right time, and it's always a good time to peak right before the Champions League knockout rounds. Yeah, no, I'm going with 2-0 as well. Completely agree. All right, uh, very quickly here on Atalanta against Lazio because that seems like a very good game. Yeah, and they play each other twice in four days. So they play here in the cup and then they play again in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how the genius Giampiero Gasparini, the manager of Atalanta, balances it. They haven't won the cup since 1963. I'm talking about Atalanta here, but it really feels like this is the only trophy they could possibly win. So I feel like I don't think they're going to win the Scudetto, even though they're in fourth, all due respect. They're not going to win the Champions League. So so this is really the only thing. And, and they've been close. So I think you put all your eggs in this basket. I think you roll out a good lineup. What I do want to say about this is that let's, let's bring back Papu Gomez. He was your number 10. He was your string puller. He was your captain. He was on the Champions League team of the season, and now he's gone, and you're even better without him, Luis. It just proves 
that everybody's replaceable. You might think you're the most special goddamn thing on earth, but life is going to move on without you. And I've got this crazy stat. They average 1.5 points a game when Papa Gomez played. Without him now, they're averaging 2.3 points a game. Uh, so they've been, And they've also improved in terms of both goals scored and goals conceded. So I don't even know. It's crazy. You'd think that there's no way Atalanta can be the same Atalanta without Papa Gomez. And now they're better. And I want to give a shout out to Joseph uh, Ilicic because I think he's a big reason why. Yeah, absolutely. But I think also like it ultimately uh, enforces and uh, strengthens the argument that we've already said always about Atalanta. No matter who we're talking about with Atalanta, it always ends with uh, Gasparini. Like it's just his system. It's about his system, right? It's like... If it one play, if one player is not obviously listen, Papu Gomez incredible what he's done for that club. It's not to say absolutely right, but his system is so overwhelming, especially the moment they pick up the ball again and they just counter that at some point somebody's gonna be there for you. I mean that's what they did against AC Milan last weekend, and that's what you're gonna expect moving forward. And I think you make a really good point. They're not gonna win the Champions League. Uh, obviously they think they're gonna win it or they're gonna go for it, but this is a very good opportunity for them to make a real deep run They're in the quarterfinals and trying to win uh, Coppa Italia. Yeah, you're right. And I forgot to bring up the Milan result. That was a comprehensive performance against the league leaders away from home. Now they got two back-to-back home games against Lazio. But Lazio won five straight. They've only dropped one game in their last nine, and that was a 3-2 loss, a respectable 3-2 loss to AC Milan. They got cheered. Oh, it's going to be Milinkovic-Savic has been balling it up for Lazio as well. They came back from a goal down against Sassuolo, who've been very good this season to win 2-1 this past weekend. They got something about them as well, and they've tightened things up defensively, which is my biggest concern for Lazio. I think the draw is actually the best value after 90 minutes. I know it's a cup competition, but you can bet the draw plus 290. And then who knows, right, what happens in extra time. But you might have convinced me, Luis. So I'm going to maybe take Atalanta to win both teams to score, and that's plus 200. I just I just like Atalanta at this time. I think they're just a little bit better than, than Lazio. Uh, despite my my adoration for for Chiro the hero, yeah, no, I'm going with you. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. A, it'll be a tight game, uh, which will be surprising for an Atalanta game. But uh, it, it might just end up being two one for Atalanta. But you know who knows? Who knows? But it's going to be a good game no matter what. All right, let's finish up in Spain. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, Copa del Rey. We have. Oh, we've been talking about Papu Gomez. Let's talk about his. Is his new club, Sevilla, as they face Valencia. A good game here. Yeah, great game. Both of these two teams have combined to win 13 Copa del Rey trophies. And I feel like both of these clubs will have to really be thirsting for the fact that this could be a possibility for them to win it. Valencia won it in 2019. They beat Barcelona in the final. This isn't the same Valencia team, though, and Sevilla is very good in cup competitions. They're the reigning Europa League champions, to prove what I'm just saying. I just don't know because Real Madrid also lost to the Copa del Rey. Barcelona aren't the same either. They got to be licking their chops, what I wanted to get to. Uh, I really like Julian Lopetegui, the manager for for Sevilla. I think he's got a great piece uh, of identity. I think they know who they are and what they're about. And then you got Yusuf Nezri. I, I mentioned him earlier. That guy has got 12 La Liga goals. He's on top of the scoring charts with Luis Suarez at Atletico Madrid. And how did Barcelona let Luis Suarez go, by the way? Different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> he's got 11, but Inesri has just been another level. I love Ocampos off to his side. Suso's obviously stepped up since he's been back being healthy. This is the front three for Sevilla. And then you add Papu Gomez. It's just going to be more of the same. And this Valencia side just isn't good. They've uh, only won once in, in the last 
13 games, maybe 10 or 13 wow. games. It hasn't been good. You leave out the Copa del Rey ones where they've only, they, they've beaten lower division teams, but what in the league, they've only won once out of the last 12 or 13 games. They're not the same. They are easy to, they are difficult to break down, but I just think that Sevilla have way too much quality in too many areas of the field. So I like Sevilla to score or Sevilla to win one zero two zero two one. And I'm going to keep that and Nesri vibe going. I think he's going to score as well. So those score lines with him scoring Sevilla winning plus 350. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I'm going with you on Sevilla uh, hype train as well. They're, they're just a good team and now they're yeah. just getting better. All right. Rayo Vallecano. Uh, Lucho Advincula plays for Rayo Vallecano, the Peruvian right back. But they're facing Barcelona. Rayo Vallecano, of course, uh, relegated last season from La Liga. Now they play in Barcelona. Uh, how do you see this one, the final game to preview for Wednesday? Yeah, for me, I think the big storyline is Leo Messi coming back to the team after the two-game suspension he got in the Spanish Super Cup final where he got a red card. So his reemergence back into the starting 11 should get them past Raya Vallecano. Obviously, they're seeing this as a great opportunity to win a trophy. Ronald Koeman probably seeing it as well. Again, this is another balance thing. Do you, do you roll out Griezmann? Do you start Ushman Dembele? Do you go younger and go Trincao? Braithwaite will probably start up top. So I think they're going to do the business in this one, all things considered. You know, anytime you have Messi in your team, you always have a chance to win every single game. And then uh, Ricky Pooch scored on the weekend as well. So I think you keep him in the lineup, keep the hot hand. He wasn't a Ronald Koeman favorite to start. He's, he's winning his way and, and earning his place in the team. Uh, but then I look at the back line. They do give up a lot of chances. We just saw an article recently. Serginho Destiny wasn't very confident right now. This could be a good game to get that back. So I think you're going to see a bit of a mixed squad, but I just think ultimately the quality for Barcelona will see them get past right by kind of, I looked at the lines for this one, nothing really sexy, very one-sided to Barcelona. So honestly, you should probably avoid this game and try to find some better value somewhere else. Yeah, that's a good tip all around on a good day uh, to chat to Jimmy Conrad. Make sure that you listen to this one over and over again. If you really pay attention <laughs> to Wednesday's, apart from the fact where he shades his wife. So don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> I wasn't shaming her. You know, you've been married for a long time. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Hey. Just, you, you, you can't keep up that. that, that I, I love that we're talking about this, but you can't keep up that that flame of that, you know, when you initially get together and you get to know each other. Oh, like, man, you, no, are, that's impossible. You, you are preaching to the choir, my friend. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Every time I'm like, my wife's like, uh, what are you doing? I'm about to watch Villa. Ugh, go away. Like, so we know exactly. Uh, we know, I know exactly where you're coming from, my friend. And so can, by the way, the other way as well, by the way, if you have a husband who's really not into the game and you're just listening. So trust me, this, when, when your spouse, uh, when your spouse, the other spouse is in the industry, in the soccer industry, I, I feel really sorry for them because they, they, they know the struggle. That's, that's true. I guess I feel like I'm shaping this, this narrative to be blaming her. There's no blame on her. It's more on me for, for just, being, just being so immersed in the world of the beautiful game. It's exactly. And we will leave it as the, at that. <laughs> Conrad, uh, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget 
to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and please leave a rating and review. It really helps uh, to grow this show and make sure that as many people can listen and share the love. We're also on Spotify, on Stitcher, cbsports.com. Follow us on Twitter, on Pod. Always send me a message. I always want to hear from you, LM Echegaray, on Twitter. And please make sure that you have a great rest of the week. Have a great time. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.